Today is the first Sunday after Christmas in the church calendar year. So I'm going to uh, start off with a deep theological question. If I ever come to you and tell you that I'm going to ask you a deep theological question, I'm not. But here is a deep theological question for the first Sunday after. Hey, what'd you get for Christmas? And then you'll tell me, won't you? Did you get something to wear? Probably you did. It's kind of classic. I know that I did. I got, I got the classics, actually. Uh, new shirt, not wearing it. Uh, new sweater, not wearing that either. New socks, nope. But I will one day. They're all beautiful. It's nice to get new clothing, isn't it? Even though it's kind of traditional and maybe even a little ho-hum. But it wears out over time and you need new stuff. So it's, it's good that Christmas comes around once a year for clothing. Clothing is important for all kinds of reasons. Stay warm, protected from the elements, to look good, to be able to go out in public at all. Clothing is good. One of the stars of the TV series, Downton Abbey, was interviewed about what she wore in the series, in the shows. And she described how putting on those amazing costumes affected her, how wearing the gowns and the dresses and the, the long gloves, the hats, scarves, even all the feathers, all the things that she was uh, able to put on and really had to put on in order to play her part. Automatically, she said, something would come over her. She automatically felt the part. She became that character. And she became kind of a different person. Well, she's an actress. That's what she's supposed to do. But she said the costume itself helped her get into her role. Just getting dressed. Here's a quote from Men's Health Magazine. This is from way back in March 2012, but starts out, Are you itching for a promotion? Try stepping up your wardrobe. New research from Northwestern University reveals that what you wear could affect how you think and even perform on the job. Now, the article wasn't about how your boss wants, but it was about how you would feel about yourself when you knew you were a little dressed up. You kind of stepped it up a little bit. I feel good about how I look. And the whole article was about, there's a lot more to it. Uh, Mark Twain would agree. He said, clothes make the man. Well, let's take the idea of clothing and apply it spiritually to getting dressed for 2021. We're just a few days away. Listen to this from the Apostle Paul's letter to the Colossians. It's found in chapter 3, starting at verse 12. 
Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Get dressed, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Then Paul offers some instruction on how to proceed once we've dressed properly. We'll need to be dressed right in order to carry out the instructions. We're not dressed properly, this isn't going to work. But first, you know how in TV shows or in movies, uh, this is, I think it occurs more now than it used to, but quite often you'll be following a plot and, re- boy, there's something kind of missing here. Something's already happened and you go along and all of a sudden there'll be a caption on the screen that says five days earlier or two years before and they take you back to things that led up to where you were thinking maybe there was something missing and the action was taking place. We're going to do that here today with these verses and put in this line before we get to the instruction about living in 2021. Let's go with four verses earlier. You read it any way you want. We're going to go back four verses from where we started. Same chapter, but we need verses 8 to 11 in order for our text to work, in order for us to do what our text wants us to do. Verse 8, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, Malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. Since you have taken off your old self with all its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free, but Christ is in all, and he is all. Before we can get dressed with compassion and kindness and the like, 
we need to get rid of some old clothing that a lot of us have been wearing for a long time, maybe all our lives. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, lying, deceitfulness, jealousy, discontent, gossiping, the list goes on and on. But now that we've taken off the old grimy clothing of our unsaved lives, now that Jesus has given us a brand new robe of righteousness, you think about the prodigal son when he ran home and his, his father brought him a robe to cover him and make him clean again. Jesus has given us a new robe of righteousness so now we can move into life as he intends it for us. With compassion, kindness for others, with humility about who we really are, with gentleness toward those around us, especially those who are weaker than us. So we are now fitted for life with Jesus as his ambassadors to a world that is watching us pretty closely, to a world that is so desperate for the grace of God. And a lot of people don't even know that's what they're missing. One of my favorite movies ever is a story about a horse. Seabiscuit was a thoroughbred racer that dominated, and by Great Depression, I don't mean 2008. We're going way back. The movie introduces us to the men and women who play a role in bringing this unlikely smaller horse, not very good looking, from obscurity and failure to championship status. He had no equal. I really do recommend the movie. I, I hesitate to do that because as soon as I do, I know there are probably scenes that, nah, Pastor Bruce, really? But it's such a marvelous story. There's a great book that led to the movie if you want to read it. One of the most powerful lines in the movie is what makes the picture one of my favorites. Just one line. Charles Howard moves from entrepreneur to successful businessman from making bicycles to cars when cars were just coming on the scene. The depression hits and life changes dramatically for, for him and his family. Long story short, eventually he takes an interest in horses. And that leads him to a racetrack where he sees a man working with a horse that had obviously been very badly abused. Mr. Howard is watching this guy work with this horse and how he takes him away from his, the abusers and quiets him down and then leads him away. He doesn't see him again and he went looking. Charles wants to meet this guy and finally finds him out away from the rest of the racing crowd. 
making a camp for himself, a campfire, out in a little area of wooded hillside where he can be alone and tend to this horse that he has taken under his wing. Mr. Howard makes his way through the brush and finds this guy sitting at his campfire putting together a a poultice that he's going to put on the horse's leg. He sits down and introduces himself to a man named Tom Smith. He's a bit of a broken down cowboy, but he's able to do wonders with broken down horses. Charles asks Tom, after they had visited for a while, he asks, why do you do this? I mean, it's obviously this horse, really. Of all the beautiful animals, you're working with this horse. Why do you do this? And Tom's answer was, because I can. Because I can. And then there was this pause. And then he continued, you don't throw a whole life away because it's beat up a little. You don't throw away a whole life just because it's a little beat up. That's compassion. That beat up horse was getting what it needed, gentleness, healing balm, kindness, and patience. And it wasn't even Seabiscuit. It was just an old white horse. Well, what is he gonna be able to do? Well, he could pull a wagon. Or he could go to work at a fair. Kids could ride on him. There's lots of things this horse could do. He could just sit there and look pretty. That's what Tom Smith told Mr. Howard. And I don't know that they ever left each other's side after that, working together in partnership. They found Seabiscuit together. Well, I'm not here to talk about Seabiscuit. I want to talk about compassion. I think people around the world are feeling a little beat up. And it's not just because of a pandemic or a virus. That certainly has not helped. But people all over through the ages have felt beat up. Sickness is one thing, but so many parts of our lives beat us up anyway. The list of possible causes for that is so long I I didn't even try. Well, I tried, but it was going to be way too long. So you know what affects you. I know what affects me. What beats you up? What really gets you down? You think through those things. I'm going to give you just one short example, if you'll bear with me, on a personal note. Laurel and I were with our family on Christmas Day. Uh, We took the uh, biblical uh, definition of what a household is. And I'm the head of the household. I have three children. They all have spouses and they all have children. But it's one household. So we met at our daughter's house for Christmas Day. 
And about halfway through the afternoon, it was, oh, it's time to open presents. That draws a crowd. And we sat there watching our kids and our grandchildren. Well, it's all about the grandkids, isn't it, at this age for us? And there's noise and laughter, smiles and hugs, and everybody's saying thank you without being told. It was marvelous. And then there's Sylvie, the seven-month-old, wide-eyed, curious, little, blonde kid who has no idea what's going on except there's paper and there's boxes. Give me more paper and boxes. And she's on the floor just having a ball. She got some of the nicest presents ever given. She loved the paper. Next year, that's all she's going to get. Might be over by then. Well, we were all enjoying this time together. It just felt so normal. It felt so... Well, that's when I I really had to stop and I gave thanks to God. I, I Truly, I did this. Lord, thank you. We've needed this. We didn't get to see Sylvie until she was three months old, and to hold her, grandparents, you know, moms and dads, you know. That's when I gave thanks to God for these moments. We were together, all together for the first time in I don't know how long. Our family, like so many, had been feeling a little beat up by the need to stay apart. For those few hours, we didn't have to. Compassion. It begins with God, doesn't it? For God had such compassion that he sent his son to a beat-up world that whoever would receive that son as Savior would not perish, would not be put down, but have life everlasting. You don't throw away a whole world because it's just beat up a little bit. Well, we'll finish this up. We have have some instruction to receive along with these lists, things to do away with, things to put on, some instruction. Colossians 3, 13 to 15, already read it, but bear with one another, forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And now the dress code that we've adopted starts to change from an outward look or an outward behavior to inward changes deep inside us. The peace of Christ begins to take over the way we think, the way we live, ruling out, ruling over our hearts and our actions. I do have one one warning. I read this from a, a commentator that I enjoy. He wrote this, there is more than functional purpose for being clothed in compassion, kindness, humility, and meekness, and patience. 
bearing with one another, forgiving each other, love binding us to each other. Such work is not for the faint in heart. This is not conflict avoidance advice. This is about to do about what to do when bare-knuckled emotional brawls break out. Because they will. People whose lives are connected to a common purpose, as we are in the church, are bound to come into conflict with each other from time to time. We don't always get along. We don't always agree. The question isn't whether or not conflict will come, but how will we respond to that conflict when it does? Well, here's the ending, honest. Verse 15 again. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as a member of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Verse 16. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. Well, Maybe I've given you a little food for thought for some New Year's resolutions. <laughs>